The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Today we take a look at the mysterious case of Jonathan Luna, and then we explore the mysterious plague that spread across countries and centuries. And it made people dance themselves to death today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a, for the sake of the opening, I will say I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. This sinus infection's really beating me up. I'm having to stay hydrated. I think that's what's causing it. I got dehydrated. I actually had some complications over the weekend and had to go to the emergency room, but I'm doing better now. I got some antibiotics. My face is still kind of swollen up, but yeah. I mean, I guess other than that, I'm having a great day. But I really do hope you guys are having a great day, too. Let's go ahead and get started here. So the first thing I want to talk about is the case of Jonathan Luna. Now, this is a really weird one because you think the story is going in one direction and then it just kind of stops. It's it's bizarre. So I, I read about this a while back. I don't think I read about it when it first happened, but it was around then. This started in 2003. I remember hearing about it years and years and years before now. But I I was reminded of it recently, and I was like, oh, I wonder what's going on with that. So Jonathan Luna was this young district attorney. He was assistant district attorney in Baltimore. He was working on a drug case, and he was working on a plea deal for these two defendants. So he's like, okay, you know, let's just go ahead and give him a plea bargain, and let's just get this over with, move on to the next one. It's 2003. It's December 3rd. And at 11 o'clock, he calls up his wife, and he's like, hey, honey, I'm going to be headed home. And she's like, okay, good, you know. He leaves the office. We know he leaves the office at 11.38. The next time he's really seen is at a gas station at 3.30 in the morning. And he walks into the gas station. He buys some water, soda. He buys two tanks of gas, which is kind of weird because I don't know what he would have done with the other tank because he only has one car. But anyways, he appears to be in good spirits. People in the gas station don't really notice anything odd about him. He leaves the gas station. 5.30 the next morning in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. So this is 95 miles away from his office in Baltimore. People notice a car is kind of like a bit halfway in a creek, a little small creek, a little bubbling water. So of course, you know, they're like, oh, might have been a car accident. Let's call the police. They call the police. Police show up and they see the car. That's not the car. That's the water by the car. And then they notice there's a body in the water, half in the water, half out. Cops are like, damn it, it's Monday. Just wanted to be slow Monday. They go in and they retrieve the body. And they're obviously doing ID and they're going through his wallet. And they find that it is Jonathan Luna, assistant district attorney in Baltimore. So they're like, ah. Obviously, they know it's going to be a big case at this point. It's going to be, a what do they call I think they're called a blue ball. I think that's what they're called. Like, it's just a high-profile case. You have a public government official dead. And obviously, everyone's like, is this connected to a case he was working on? Is someone getting revenge for something else? 
it was weird that he was 95 miles away from where he was supposed to be, but they start working the case. What they do is they find $200 in cash on him. They find blood in the back seat. They find blood in the back seat. They find blood in the driver's seat. They find blood along the fender of the car. And they find blood on a little toll ticket, which is weird because the car had an easy pass system, which is able to electronically pay for toll roads. And cops are like, oh, I mean, like, this is going to be a weird case, obviously. They start examining the body. He died from having water in his lungs, so he drowned. However, he also had 36 wounds, 36 total stab wounds on his body. His hands were so badly stabbed that when they ended up burying the body, they had to put gloves on him to keep everything together and to not be, like, totally gross. He had stabs to the neck, slashes to the neck. He got stabbed in the scrotum a couple times. It's pretty intense. So, And he also had stab wounds in the back, like between his shoulder blades. It looked like he was have, you know, having a struggle. He was defending it with his hands. He got stabbed in the back. He got stabbed in the dick. He got stabbed in the throat. And eventually, he fell in the water and drowned. Now, the coroner... Looked at all that, and he said, okay, cause of death is he drowned, but he has all these stab wounds. We're going to list it as foul play. They started looking, retracing his steps. And one of the first things they realized was that in his office, he had left his cell phone and his glasses, which he needed to drive. So they're like, okay, he must have been kidnapped. If his glasses are here, how would he have driven this far? Now, reportedly, he needed the glasses to drive, but that's the story that we're being told. And then they're like, okay, he uses his easy pass three times. But then after, because he had to take multiple toll roads and bridges to get where he was at. 95 miles, I think it was like three states he went through to get there. They said, okay, so he used the easy pass three times. After that, he started using paper tickets. So people are thinking it could be possible that he was kidnapped. And the person who was driving his car didn't know how to use easy pass. So he began using tickets. They have to call the FBI in. So you have the Lancaster County Police working on it. They're calling up Baltimore PD. They're getting the information from the office. But because it was an assistant district attorney, and because the crime took place over several states, they had to call in the FBI. So the FBI comes in. They talk to the Baltimore PD. They get the information from them. They talk to the Lancaster County PD. They're getting all the, you know, taking notes, wearing their trench coats, taking notes. They examine the body. They're like, "Mm mm-hmm. Okay, they're doing their investigation. They go, suicide. He obviously killed himself. Case closed. And of course, the police departments were like, what? How? Wait, where did you come to that conclusion? And the FBI goes, well, according to what we've found out, he was $28,000 in debt. He was involved. He was suspected to have stole $38,000 from a case he was working on involving a bank robbery. He was on the verge of being fired. His boss had problems with him. That morning, he got in trouble with a judge involving the case he was working on. That's why he was doing the plea deal that late at night. He had to get it done. He committed suicide. There's no defensive wounds. We believe that he tried to stage a kidnapping and then stage an assault. And as he was cutting himself in the neck, he accidentally cut a carotid artery, fell in the water, and died. Oh, and by the way, coroner, you should change your report to match that. And the coroner was like, I'm, this was foul play. 
I'm not changing my report to make this look like a suicide. Six months after his body was found, they did find his pin knife at a rock in the creek where his body was found. That pin knife was used to inflict all 36 wounds on his body. They matched it up to all of them. To this day, the coroner insists it was foul play that he was murdered. And to this day, the FBI says, case closed, it was a suicide. What really happened to Jonathan Luna? Did he try to stage a kidnapping? And was he so at the end of his rope that part of his staging his kidnapping to make it look like he was assaulted was to cut his own scrotum to stab himself in his genitals? That's how far he was willing to go for this ruse. Or was he murdered and either due to sloppy police work or something more sinister? Was it classified as a suicide? It's been 15 years since this happened, and there's been no real movement on this case. Bizarre story. Fairly high profile at the time, but as the years have gone on, it's become less and less known. But to this day, nobody really knows what happened to Jonathan Luna. It's just a file sitting somewhere in a coroner's office and a closed file sitting somewhere in an FBI office. And we'll never really know unless something else breaks with this story. The next story I want to talk about, I think, is equally creepy in its own way. This one is on the conspiracy iceberg. And when I saw it, I was like, okay, I know of that. I didn't think there was anything anything particularly intriguing about it. I was like, yeah, I've heard of that before. But I decided to give it another look. And it's really bizarre. It is kind of creepy, again, in its own way. So on the conspiracy iceberg, it's listed the Dancing Plague of 1518. That was a situation where you had this area, you had like this small town or this small countryside where everyone started dancing mysteriously. They're just like, I don't know why I'm dancing on a podcast. I'm actually dancing over here. You can't see that. But anyway, so everyone was kind of like dancing along and they couldn't, people couldn't figure out why they were dancing. And it lasted for, I think, a couple weeks, and a couple people died because they would dance till they got exhausted, and eventually they just stopped. And I remember hearing that story, and I was like, yeah, it's just probably a couple nutbags in the area and stuff like that. Then I heard about Dancing Mania. Now, the Dancing Plague of 1518, the, the reason why that kind of stands out on its own was because it was fairly well documented. But Dancing Mania was the same thing, but it was spread out from the 14th to the 17th century. All over Europe, cities, countrysides, farms, towns, thousands of people dancing uncontrollably. They'd have these outbreaks. People would be, this is so (laughs) bizarre. So, and this happened multiple times throughout the centuries. Someone would be in the town. And they would just start dancing. They would just start dancing. And then other people would see them and they would come out and they'd start dancing in a group too. And everyone would start dancing. It got so bad that the people, like they had to start to come up with remedies for this. So they had to start basically building up this mythology. So people started dancing and they would say, okay, so Saint, who was it? Saint Michael and Saint Vit. Vitus, Vitus, or St. Vitus is the, the saint of dancing. So people would be like, 
oh, oh, you must have been cursed by St. Vitus. You have to go to a shrine specifically for St. Vitus and pray to him and he'll relieve your dancing. So it wasn't like this one-off thing. Like, people were dancing so much that the government and the church had to figure out, like, a something to do to keep people from dancing. So St. Vitus is the saint patron saint of dancing. He was the patron saint of dancing before all of this. The early, So, the earliest incident that they know of, of dancing mania, 7th century, but it got really bad in the 14th century. So in the 1020s, so in Burnsburg, which is this place in Europe, apparently, 18 people just started dancing. Now, you're like, okay, maybe they're just having fun. There was a Christmas Eve service. They're singing their hymns, their old-timey hymns, which we wouldn't understand because they spoke weird back then. And all of a sudden, people just got, started getting up and dancing. Now, you're like, well, they're just, just celebrating. No, the thing is, you can't stop dancing. You dance until you become unconscious. So they're dancing in church, and people are like, dude, I'm trying to, like, worship the baby Jesus. And they're, like, elbowing him. They're, like, crunking next to you as you're trying to, like, sing a hymn. And you can't stop them. Like, you try to hold them down, they just keep dancing. What's so weird? Okay, in the year 1237, a bunch of kids were dancing about... It was a 20-kilometer journey between these two towns. And the kids were dancing the whole way. I don't... I've been dancing this whole time. Okay, I'm going to stop dancing because it's probably messing up the podcast. Anyways, so they danced for 20 kilometers from one town to another. There was another one in 1278. 200 people were dancing on a bridge in Germany. The bridge collapsed. All the people, or most, I shouldn't say all the people, most of the people, they're like, oh, we're in the river, help us, help us. They get rescued by the townspeople and brought to the nearest church. A church for St. Vidius. What? That's a weird coincidence. Now, it's probably just a coincidence, but still. They're dancing on the bridge, it collapses, and the closest church to them is the patron saint of dancing. So they had these outbreaks all over Europe. Why the oh oh and this was the funniest thing so so like I said the church and the governments are saying trying to figure out how to get people to stop dancing like people they're having these massive outbreaks of dancing and the problem was is that then people aren't working and they're dying because they dance until they became unconscious some people danced so hard they broke ribs which seems kind of weird they must have been like doing a mosh pit like an old time mosh pit but people were dying so if you had to stop. A group of people, you're sitting in town, you're a governor, and you look out your window and you see, because people would dance from town to town. It wasn't always just people in your town. Sometimes dancing crowds would move through your town and people from your town would jump up and start dancing and they'd move to the next town. So you're sitting there and you see a bunch of people dancing down the street and they're headed towards your town. How would you stop them from dancing without hurting them? Because you don't want to like, you know, like bludgeon them or like, they had muskets back then, right? Or, you know, arrows, shoot arrows at them. You could put, like, tacks on the ground or whatever, but you don't, don't want to do that because you don't want to hurt them. And a tack would give you gangrene and you'd die anyways. So how would you stop a group of da- people dancing in your town? There's a, probably a bunch of different ways. Nets, you can do that. You could, like, tie ropes around them. You could, like, la- do they have lassos back then or is that only from, like, the Wild Wild West? Do they know what a lasso was in medieval Europe? I'm going to say no. But anyways... You could probably come up with a lot of different ways to get someone to stop dancing. There's one way to keep people dancing. There's one guaranteed way. This is this was the, this is when I knew I was going to do this as a story. There is one guaranteed way to keep people dancing. For whatever reason, the local councils and the church believed this. If you played music next to the people dancing. 
They'd stop dancing. So they begin to hire bards to follow these groups around playing music. And what do you think happened? More people joined the dance. Why would you even think? If you saw, and they, if you saw a bunch of people dance in the street to no music, you would not bring a boombox out there and turn it on and go, this will stop the, this will stop the dance. This will end this celebration. It just made more people join the dance. And again, you can't stop dancing. So now you got people providing musical accompaniment to it. And you just have these huge, up to a thousand people sometimes, just dancing through the countryside. We don't know what caused it. Some people say it was ergot poisoning, which people have disputed because that makes you like completely like uncoordinated. And you could say, well, it's not like they were doing choreographed dance moves, Jason, but... The fact that other people were joining in and it was moving from area to area, they go, it could have been possible. Some people have said there's a disease called St. Vetus disease, but that's almost like retconned, where that's where your your limbs jerk uncontrollably. But that's been named more for dancing mania than dancing mania being caused by that. Because what would happen again, St. Vetus disease isn't something that you just contract that someone's walking down the street and it mostly affects children. So that was more like, that wasn't the cause of it. That is named because of this. People have thought things like hypnosis. People, It's considered the first form of mass hysteria, like the first form of recorded mass hysteria. I think the best thing I saw, which again, I'm still a little iffy on, because we're going to get into another weirder thing, is that it was caused because people were so poor and so just like, life sucks, that they just started dancing. And to, like, dance the blues away, basically. Like, their life sucks so bad that they said, why don't we just do a choreographed dance? They should make a musical called Dance Mania. And it's about peasants in medieval times. And it starts off with, like, this woman just, like, throwing hay. It's like Rent or Stomp, but with medieval stuff. I'm copywriting that idea. Nobody steal that from me. Anyways... So they were doing these dances and they go, maybe they were just so bored and so just miserable that everyone started dancing. It was just kind of their way of like giving up. That's possible. The thing is, is like one, they would dance themselves to death sometimes or dance to collapse. And then two, they would dance so much and they would dance from town to town that they would basically be even more poor when they went back because their crops were failing or they were selling wooden shoes and termites got them or whatever. Like it, it was very short sighted, but I think that's probably the most likely scenario. However, then it gets weird. Everything we've talked about now, it's going to get really weird. So these people would, like I said, they dance from town to town. Now, there's two interesting quirks that I left out of this. Because we're getting far enough in time. So like I said, 14th century to 17th century. And we have them recorded back as far as the 7th century. But 16th, 17th, 18th century, we have fairly good records from Europe of those time periods. And really from everywhere in the world. Once we got to the point where everything's being written down and things like that, we have really good records. So as we go farther in time, we start to record some particular things. One, the groups of dancing people. This is what makes me think it's not like just we're so bored we're dancing. That it is more of like this mental infection, this mass hysteria. People who are dancing, these groups are dancing, they hated the color red. If they saw the color red as they were dancing through town, they got angry. Now they're dancing super angry. They're straight up like doing some like ska moves. They're skanking. They're not like doing like sweet little tap dance moves. Now they're getting really mad. And... If you were standing on the stoop 
and they're dancing down the street and you're not dancing, they'd attack you. They beat you up if you weren't dancing as they moved through town. So you had a choice. You could either like fight them off, fight off a thousand people, run into your house, which is probably made of hay, or start dancing. Almost, and I was like, this is like a zombie apocalypse thing. But instead of them eating your brains, they're moving your legs. They're making you dance. And then once you were part of the dance, you would get swept up in this mental thing too. So when you saw someone else who wasn't dancing, you're like, oh, feel the beat, feel the rhythm. And then the 17th century stopped. It just didn't happen anymore. What's interesting, so all of that happened in Northern Europe. So like Germany, uh, England, France, all that stuff, Netherlands. In Italy, they had the same problem, but it was called the Tarantella. It's actually still like a dance or a tune nowadays, but there was this legend, around the same time, there was this legend that if you got bit by a tarantula, if you danced enough, you could shake the poison out of the blood. So you did these quick movements and your blood would separate away from the poison and you'd live. And so someone would get bit by a spider and they'd start doing this dance. And what happened was the person sitting next to you, they thought, well, if, it, if the poison goes out of his blood, it might go into mine. So they started dancing. And again, you'd have whole towns of people dancing, afraid that the poison was going to get them. And you're like, okay, Jason, that's kind of goes, that gives a more valid explanation. Like, that's a folk reason of why people would start dancing in a group. Here's the weird thing. They hated the color black. In Italy, they'd have these huge groups of people dancing. And if they saw the color black they get really, really angry. What was going on? And also that just ended in the 17th century. What was going on with that? How do thousands of people... I can understand you, you, your sports team wins and you're out celebrating, you tip a couple cop cars and you climb up and knock down a couple light poles. I get that. It's a riot. People just get swept up in the moment. I get that. It's stupid. But it doesn't last 20 kilometers. Like you don't riot across from town to town. I mean, I guess if you really were like, really glad your team won. And I know sometimes there's like political riots and stuff like that, but those are generally confined to certain areas. You don't riot across from town to town in one large group. Mass hysteria tends to peter out really quickly. What was going on over here? I think the weirdest parts are the fact that it happened for, you know, three centuries. The fact that we, we still don't know what caused it. There's still a bunch of theories. As much as it's happened, we still don't know exactly what caused it. The, the thing about being angry by the colors, and then we have two different countries with two different colors having the same reaction. They get angry. Because that's the thing, too. If people are rioting, they may be like, we hate cops, and they see a cop, and we're like, we hate you. It's not like they see like a guy wearing blue blockers, and they're like, we hate the color blue, because the color blue reminds us of cops, and they're like destroying Bluetooth stores. These people just hated these colors for whatever reason. And if you were just standing on your stoop, enjoying the sight of a bunch of young, busty wenches dancing down the street, you got beat up unless you were dancing. What caused that? What would cause people to... I can get being so bored and so just like, oh, my life sucks and I'm just going to dance like Footloose style in my barn. But I don't get dancing for 20 kilometers. Dancing with so many people, I collapse a bridge. And the thing is, is could this happen again? 
Since we don't know what caused it, it might have been some bug in the programming of humans, is it possible that in the next week, it's like residents of Chicago woke up to an amazing scene. Tens of thousands of people are dancing down the streets. The police are trying to cordon them off. They're calling in Bruno Mars to try to play music to stop the dancing. We will keep you informed. Is this possible since we don't know what caused it? Is it possible that someday thousands or now with our population, millions of people may simply begin dancing from city to city, and nobody knows why. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is your daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. 